Hello, Drunk Theology fans. This is the Rev C.H. Brown, known to you as Chaz, and I'm here again today at the beautiful facility of Emmanuel Church in Arcadia, California. Pastor is Reverend Tom Shriver, and, uh, you know, I encourage you to come and visit his church. I think you'll love his congregation. I think you'll love Pastor Tom. But most of all, I think you'll also enjoy the great blues worship band that they have. Uh, outstanding musicianship, anointed of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, just come on in. I'm leaving the address down in the description, and I think I'm going to also flash it up here on the screen for you. But it's over at uh, 23 West Foothill Boulevard in the city of Arcadia. Anyway, uh, coming back to you, have a kind of a short lesson today uh, because it's a short chapter, so you kind of lucked out. <laughs> so, but it's Revelation chapter 10, and we're continuing with the with the so far shofar judgments, the judgments, the trumpet judgments, as they are called, and we're talking about the last one that is that is declared. And so, after having left the first uh, trumpet judgments, judging the earth, judging man, and they were really judgments of mercy, judgments intended to bring people to salvation in Christ. And now, here are the final trumpet judgment, and it's quite astounding. It really is quite astounding when we when we study it. So I want to take it here at verse 1. It says, Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. And he had a little scroll open in his hand. You know, just to listen to the description of the angels is uh, incredible. Completely different than what we're used to uh, in our Hallmark cards, in our little fantasy cherubim um, angels, you know, and philosophers talking about how many angels can fit on the head of a pin. And we're going to see that, that there, there are a variety of angels, and many of them do not fit those kinds of descriptions. This one here is, he has a rainbow over his head, his face is like the sun, his legs are like pillars of fire. And he has a little scroll in his hand. And it says, And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and called out with a loud voice like a roaring lion. And when he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. So we see that this angel is standing with one foot on the sea and one foot on the dry land. The fact that he can stand on the sea is amazing. And so here he is doing this, and um, that's a sign to us that what's in this scroll is intended for all of humanity, for all of history. That's really the symbolism that's here. Going all the way back to Noah's Ark, given the rainbow and the promise and the covenant of the rainbow that he would not destroy the earth by a flood again. And that, that promise is being reiterated, and God will not flood the earth again in judgment. But he will bring judgment because he is a just God. And we find, he says, 
and the angel was standing on the sea. Oh, and I love this. And when he roars out like a lion, all of a sudden the seven thunders speak. And when the seven thunders speak, they say something that the revelator John is going to write down. And he's commanded saying, do not write it down. Do not write down what you heard the seven thunders say. It's not for anyone else to know but you. You have been given this privilege to this insight. You know, the Apostle Paul had a similar experience in 2 Corinthians 12, 3-4. He mentions this. Speaking of himself, he says this. He says, and I know that this man, talking of himself, was caught up in the, in the paradise. I know that he was caught up in the paradise. Whether in body or out of body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard the things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. There are things that, that, that are revealed to those who have the privilege of walking in the Spirit, who have the opportunity and the experiences of going to the other side through meditation, through prayer, through fastings. And they will hear things that they are not allowed to repeat. That's why when I, I'm, I'm at, the very, at the very least very careful, if not in fact skeptical, when people say, yeah, I went to heaven. And they tell all these fantastic stories. And I'm very skeptical and I'm very cautious. I don't want to deny, but I don't want to uh, promote. I do want to be discerning. Because there are things that God reveals that cannot be <laughs> given out again. There are things that God will show that is not to be given out to anybody else. And so we find that, that uh, Paul had those kinds of experiences. Daniel had those kinds of experiences in, in Daniel 12, chapter 9. And what is, is said that he can report is very interesting. So he goes on and says, And the, I saw the angel standing on the sea and on the land, raised his right hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, and the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay. But in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he had announced to his servants, the prophets. So he is making this declaration that when the seventh angel sounds the trumpet, time of the Gentiles, as it's called, or the mystery of God. Say, well, what is the mystery of God? It comes to an end. Well, what is the mystery of God? Romans 11.25 tells us, Lest ye be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. And so it's talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Salvation by grace will no longer be proclaimed. Not that you will not be able to be saved during this time. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. There are those who had heard who maybe had not believed, but they had buried that seed of the word of God in their heart. And perhaps it will come to fruition. Perhaps it will actually yield 30-fold. 
Maybe it'll yield 60-fold, maybe even 100-fold, who knows? But no more proclaiming of the word is going to take place. God's attention span for his mercy regarding his son is done. There comes a time when it has to end, when we must move on from here. And literally, that's what is, what is being proclaimed here by this angel. Verse 8, Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel, who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter. But in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. It's interesting because this also happens in Jeremiah, in Ezekiel, in the Psalms, that the word of God is as sweet as honey. His word is sweeter than the honeycomb, the songwriter said. But it's as sweet as honey. His word, it's precious to those who believe, to those who heed the call. The word is, is very, very sweet. And here he takes it, and it's sweet as honey. But the other side of it is that his stomach is bitter. Think about Jesus in Matthew 23, verse 37 through 38, weeping over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have taken you under my wings and covered you and protected you, but you would not. And he pronounces judgment on them because they would not. He says in verse 38, See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's a part of God's word that is absolutely precious, that is absolutely encouraging and strengthening and sweet as honey. You know, honey... Honey is, is a wonderful substance. How it's created, I don't want to talk about. It can be a little uh, disturbing. But the bottom line is, is if you take of it and eat it, it nourishes you. It gives health to your bones. It's a wonderful substance created by God. And he's saying, my word is like that. If you will take it and ingest it, it will be sweet as honey to you. It will be encouraging and strengthen you. It will make you stronger. It will make you powerful. It will make you be able to endure the days that are coming. And believe me, the days are coming. Open your eyes as to what's going on in this world today. Open your eyes to the news in such a way that, 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 that you're not rooting for this party or that party. Look at what's happening politically. And look at what's happening in the governments of the world. 
Look at what's happening spiritually as a result. And be discerning, understanding that the days are coming. And the word right now is to us sweet and encouraging. But there comes a time when it will make our stomachs bitter. How so? Don't you know that the ministry of Jesus, as he went from town to town and villages to villages and to the major cities, you know, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and proclaiming the gospel of, of, of love and peace and restoration and declaring and healing and doing miracles and raising the dead was as sweet as honey. But there was coming a time where God is going to pour out his judgment and he's here weeping over Jerusalem. And he's letting them know your city's going to be left to you desolate if you do not hear. That's where the word gets bitter. Because no one wants to preach gloom and doom. I don't blame anyone for not wanting to do it. I, 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 don't, I, I don't relish the idea. My wife and I were speaking of a, an event that took place a number of years ago on a hospital visit, and I won't, I'll spare you all the details, but it turned out that, that, that those that had gathered there for their loved one, the Lord had me give a word to each one of them. And, and, and eight out of ten of them were not encouraging. Eight out of ten of them were not sweet as honey. But they were mostly making them bitter. Some of them took heed and they turned from their wicked ways. But it gave me no pleasure giving out those words. It gave me no pleasure to go out and to proclaim things that are hard and difficult. It makes you stomach bitter. And here John the Revelator has heard some things that he's not allowed to declare and he's not even allowed to write them down. But he's being forewarned. What you have to say is sweet as honey, but it's also going to be bitter to tell it. That's why in verse 11, the angel says to him, says, and I was told... You must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Notice it's like you must again do this. I know you don't want to do this, but you must again do it. You must again proclaim. And yes, it's harsh. And yes, but it's for the salvation of those who will turn. My prayer is that people will turn, that this message, if you will take it and share it with your friends, that somehow they will turn. Some come by mercy and some come by fire. All I care is that they come. I pray that you will pray with me that people come and bow their knee to the one and only the true and the living God. Amen. Well, my brothers, that's all I have for you this week. My brothers and sisters, friends and family, that's all I have for you this week. But I pray that it would be encouraging and it would inspire you 
to share the good news while we're still able to before that trumpet sounds. Amen. So God be with you. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Shalom.